And just remember, what you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. <laughs> well, lucky for you, I'm on the radio. You don't have to see or read me. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. You're welcome. I got the feeling that something right. Never is. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From with Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK. 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's, KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. Also, we are heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe every day, streaming and screaming on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com thank you very much for joining us today all right with uh donald trump still overseas uh i'm going to exercise my authority here today to mostly ignore him (laughs) mostly for a bit (laughs) you're welcome uh though we we cannot ignore him in our latest green news report coming up a little bit later with desi doyan given what he said revealing how he knows absolutely nothing about climate science and apparently does not care to learn. I mean, he's like, uh, you talk to him about it, you know, put his finger in his ear, I won't hear it. Yeah, it goes one in one ear, out the other. He literally is unteachable. But our uh, Green News report today also covers some of the, um, well, now many climate proposals being put forward by 2020 Democratic presidential candidates. That is great to see. Uh, and I would say a tribute to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her Green New Deal. Oh, most definitely. Since uh, many of them are, in fact, somewhat based on AOC's GND. Surprise! Pressure works. We have been talking in recent days about a number of those plans from Biden, from Warren, and how these huge trillion and two trillion dollar plans will be paid for. Because, yes, unlike Republicans, for good or bad, and despite what they tell you on Fox News, Democrats tend to actually find the money to actually pay for their proposals rather than simply increasing annual budget deficits and long-term national debt to go with it. Now, that is not necessarily a good thing, by the way, but that has been the 
Democratic Party's policy in general over the past decade or two versus the Republicans who simply deficit spend whenever they want and then pretend to be against deficit spending when it is something that they don't want or when Democrats are in charge, uh, even in cases, by the way, when it is paid for or even saves taxpayer money. Remember Obamacare, how that was going to bankrupt us all? It was going to tank the economy and the deficit, blow a hole in the deficit, even though all independent experts actually were saying at the time and have been proven correct that it would actually save taxpayers about $200 billion. Well, with that in mind, in uh, in the case of a number of these newly released climate proposals from the uh, 2020 Dems, part of paying for them actually comes from rolling back the GOP's unpaid for one and a half trillion dollar tax cut giveaway to millionaires and billionaires and corporations. But also it comes from ending uh, centuries-long subsidies that taxpayers have long given to fossil fuel companies year after year, decade after decade. Otherwise known as socialism to some people, uh, not that Republicans will ever use that word in, uh, in describing those, uh, those taxpayer giveaways supporting that entire industry for all of these decades. So here yet is another example of how all of this works today. In uh, 2013, according to Brian Maffley at the Salt Lake Tribune, a prominent coal industry investor named Stephen Rickmeyer co-founded a company to acquire several so-called coal cleaning plants, including one at Wellington in the heart of Utah's coal country. In an arrangement with Utah's largest coal producer, the new firm Bowie Refined Coal, or BRC, was to receive substandard coal from nearby mines. It would blast it with air to separate out sulfur, dirt, and other impurities, and then sell it as fuel. A coal cleaning company. I don't know if this counts as a clean coal company, <laughs> no. per se. No, it does not. But uh, BRC's well, but it, it didn't work any better, uh, better apparently than a clean coal company. No. Uh, BRC's Wellington dry coal cleaning plant proved to be a failure. And now its operators have abandoned a 30 acre facility still contaminated with coal waste, according to documents from the Utah Division of Oil, Gas and Mining. State and local authorities are now left to clean up the mess and recoup taxes and fines if they can from this non-responsive company that seems to have by and large disappeared. To make matters worse, the division alleges the Wellington plant illegally sold at least 2,000 tons of this waste to a uh, trucking company, which used it as a road base for a parking lot in 2017. At a uh, 2017 meeting with regulators to explain that violation, BRC's then operations manager, Kyle Edwards, argued that the material was not coal waste, but actual product. It sold this actual product for 25 cents a ton. No, it's not waste. It's an actual product that just happens to sell for 25 cents per ton. It's on sale. <laughs> 
Regulators rejected that assertion from the company, uh, deeming that the material was indeed regulated coal waste and ordered Edwards to gather it up and return it to the coal processing plant for proper disposal. BRC never complied, however, with that order or offered a plan for recovering that waste. According to regulators, they were fined, get this, just $2,310 for that uh, for that instance. Well, that's quite the deterrent. But it was one of many that was uh, one of many f- such fines that was levied against the firm over the past couple of years that have all gone unpaid. And now the plant is locked up and all of the usable coal has been removed. So just the waste and toxic sludge and everything else is left behind. Last month, the state's Division of Oil, Gas and Mining filed papers to seize BRC's uh, $732,000 reclamation bond and, quote, pursue the collection of fines and civil penalties for willful and knowing violations of Utah's Coal Act. The actions... The action targets not just the company, but individual officers, including operations manager Edwards, who said, no, that's not waste. That's that's product at 25 cents a ton. And uh, the uh, the co-founder, Rick Meyer, uh, who is identified as the facility's owner. They are now targeted for potential fines of up to five thousand dollars a day. Over the year since the violations have gone completely unaddressed, ignored. Uh, In its current unreclaimed state, the facility now could harm the environment and threaten public health and safety, according to the division's notice filed in April with the uh, Utah State Board of Oil, Gas and Mining. They will hear the matter at their next meeting this month. The company has filed no papers in response to the state's request for fines. The plant's phones have been disconnected. Recently reached, Rick Meyer said he resigned from BRC five years ago, does not know about the division's actions, doesn't know anything about it. The document uh, indicates Utah regulators mailed the action to his address in, uh, in Lake Forest, Illinois, Efforts to reach Edwards, the operations manager, uh, have not been successful. Property taxes to Carbon County have gone unpaid since 2014. Some contractors have tried to take the company to court to collect unpaid invoices for services. The company never responded to the lawsuits and default judgments were entered, totaling about $250,000. But those contractors are most likely out of luck as well. The question of who is responsible for the uh, refiner's remaining mess promises to be a tough question to answer. Owners of LLCs or limited liability corporations are generally shielded from the company's liabilities and debts. So good luck. Yeah. Sorry, folks that live nearby. So these guys just got up and left. They left behind fines and penalties. They left behind toxic coal waste. They they just left, leaving the government and taxpayers to clean it all up and deal with it. It's, it's their problem, not the limited liability corporations. And sadly, this is not an isolated uh, issue in the coal industry that Republicans pretend to want to save, but they really just want coal industry owner campaign money. They don't give a damn about the poison that the industry leaves behind or the cost to taxpayers for cleaning it up or the cost to residents 
nearby for medical care thanks to the toxic emissions and poisonous waste left behind in our air and our water and uh, perhaps most outrageously, the cost to the workers in the industry, the miners, etc., who end up losing their retirement benefits and pensions when these companies go bankrupt or just disappear altogether. You will notice that all of the climate proposals, I think, Des, am I right? Pretty much all of them uh, that are being put forward by Democrats right now uh, running for president 2020 and and the Green New Deal proposal from uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, And yes, even Hillary Clinton's proposal when she was running for president in 2016, uh, they all put the needs and priorities and, yes, retirement pension uh, benefit protections up front in those proposals. Yes, they do. All of the Democrats. All of the Democrats. Meanwhile, the Republicans... Uh, pretend to give a damn about the coal industry, but they don't do a thing to actually protect its workers whose jobs are threatened and are all but gone at this point. Thanks to automation that increases profits for the owners of the companies and uh, due to the plunging price of dirty coal, which no one wants to use anymore if they don't have to because they prefer cleaner and, yes, cheaper alternatives from natural gas to even cheaper and cleaner renewable energy. But yeah, privatize uh, the profit and socialize the loss. Republicans are all in favor of it. That pattern continues while Republicans pretend that they hate socialism because they believe uh, saying so will somehow win them elections. Well, it works for Fox News viewers. Yeah. I, and who, who buy this nonsense? Who still have no idea that Hillary Clinton was actually talking about saving coal workers and right. the coal industry and saving them with a just transition. Who have no idea that the Green New Deal and all of the Democrats, Democrats plans actually have just transition funding to ensure not just the coal miners' pensions, but also retired coal miners' health care and health care for current coal miners when there's a black lung epidemic that's now surging in coal country right now. It uh, covers all of that stuff, but they have and, no and idea. And that Mitch McConnell, by the way, in, in Kentucky, in coal country, Kentucky is ignoring the fact that they have let lapse uh, a tax that helped paid for that uh, black lung epidemic going on in coal country. Yeah, and also retraining as well and new investments for uh, developing those uh, new new energies, new sectors in coal country. So it's all there, but folks need to know about that. They need to know about it, and they're not going to know it if they watch Fox. <laughs> That's uh, and, and unfortunately, uh, in coal country, apparently, they're not going to know about it either because they keep falling for the same scam over and over and over again. So I will hope... Uh, that Americans won't be dumb enough to fall for it this time. But, you know, if we're counting on the corporate media to actually inform the voters about all of this stuff, which they generally do not, preferring to cover the the horse race, uh, who's up, who's down, and, and whatever stupid, inaccurate claim that any given Republican might make, whether it has any basis in fact or reality or not, Uh, You know, that's the stuff they cover instead. By the way, uh, even Democrats fall for this. Uh, John Delaney, a former congressman from uh, uh, Maryland, as I recall, uh, he said the same stupid thing. Was it John Delaney or was it Hickenlooper or both of them at that California convention, Democratic convention over the weekend? One of them came out and said, 
to the people out there. Uh, I don't believe socialism is the answer. That would be Hickenlooper. Hickenlooper. And you know what Hickenlooper is doing now? What is he, he doing? He is fundraising off of the fact that he said that to those California Democrats. He sure told them. Even though nobody was talking about socialism. <laughs> He'll be the next president. John Hickenlooper, uh, former governor, governor of, of Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of how... Republicans' role in this case. Well, I've got some good news. Good news today regarding abortion. How often do we hear that of late? Uh, and coming from North Carolina, of all places. Again, how likely is that these days? But to get there, I got to start quickly with the UN, the United Nations Deputy High Commissioner for Human Rights said the abortion restrictions that have recently been passed in several states in the U.S. are a, quote, crisis akin to, quote, torture. Commissioner Kate Gilmore told The, uh, the Guardian on Wednesday, quote, it's clear it is torture. It's a deprivation of a right to health. We have not called it out in the same way we have other forms of extremist hate, but this is gender-based violence against women. No question, says Gilmore. She was referring to the recent abortion restrictions passed in states like Georgia and Alabama and Missouri and Ohio, where abortion is banned as early as the first trimester, and in Alabama, where abortion is now banned, according to state law, in nearly all cases, including rape and incest. Gilmore said it's an assault on truth, science and universal values and norms. You're entitled to your own opinion, she says, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Facts. Imagine that. How quaint. Uh, many of the extreme abortion restrictions are backed by uh, are backed by the U.S. right wing Christian base. Much of the language in the legislation is not actually rooted in any science whatsoever. Are you seeing a pattern here among Republicans? <laughs> uh, for example, Republicans at both the state and federal levels have been pushing to pass the so-called Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Acts. The measure, uh, the, these measures uh, threaten a prison time for medical professionals who do not provide necessary medical care to an infant born alive during an abortion. However, it is medically nearly impossible for infants to be born alive during abortions in later pregnancies, as the proponents of such measures uh, pretend. And, yes, infanticide and murder are already illegal in the U.S. Nonetheless, both Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence have been pushing uh, this uh, dangerous anti-abortion rhetoric often repeated by the media without any explanation of what these measures actually are. Uh, most recently, Trump said that women who want abortions uh, discussed with their doctors whether to, quote, execute the babies after they are born. The U.N.'s Gilmore said, quote, we have to stand with the evidence and facts and in solidarity with women and in particularly and in particular young women and minority women who are really under the gun. She says this does not affect well off women in the same way as women with no resources or able bodied women, the way it affects disabled women and urban women. 
the way it affects rural women. So with that background in mind, yes, we get to the good news out of uh, North Carolina, of all places today. North Carolina's legislature upheld Democratic Governor Roy Cooper's veto of a grotesque anti-abortion bill on Wednesday afternoon. Only uh, only this year, after the blue wave of last year's 2018 midterms, even in North Carolina, where the GOP has gerrymandered the hell out of the state, but the Supreme Court has held off on uh, an order from a lower federal court to redraw the state's entire congressional map last year. Uh, only this year, after folks turned out to vote for Democrats in droves last year or tried to, only this year did the Democrats finally have enough seats in the legislature to end the GOP's veto-proof supermajority in the state house which had previously given Republicans the vote to override the Democratic Governor Cooper's uh, vetoes time and time again. He, he was elected in uh, in 2016, along with other Democrats who won the statewide contest in 2016, even as the gerrymanders in the state legislature at the time allowed the GOP to keep a supermajority in both chambers, at least until 2018, finally. But finally, for the first time in six years, without that supermajority, the Democratic governor's veto has been uh, successful and sustained after other states in the South have also rushed to pass ex extreme anti-abortion laws in recent months. But enough Democrats sided with Cooper to block the override vote this week, which had required 72 votes of support. The vote, however, was 67 to 53 in favor of the override. That was a not enough to override the governor. The uh, Senate successfully had voted to override back in April. This legislation in North Carolina was dubbed the Born Alive Survivors Protection Act, as we described in that previous story, and it sought to make it a crime for doctors and nurses to not offer care to infants who are born alive after unsuccessful abortions. But Governor Cooper's veto message points out simply, laws already protect newborn babies. And this bill is an unnecessary interference between doctors and their patients. This needless uh, legislation would criminalize doctors and other health care providers for a practice that simply does not exist. Therefore, I veto this bill. And that veto uh, was upheld this week. A Cooper spokesperson said in a release after the failed override vote, quote, instead of passing unnecessary legislation for political purposes, we need to move on from divisive social issues and focus on the needs of North Carolina's families, such as health care, education and good jobs. Well, there's a neat idea. They also might want to clean up all of those coal uh, ash waste pits that are all over the state in North Carolina and leaking toxic poisons into the drinking water. Uh, Trump has expressed support for these so-called born alive bills because, well, you know, Fox News told him to and that was and that that it was an actual thing when it isn't. Meanwhile, the Wisconsin legislature gave final approval to a similar message, uh, a measure earlier on uh, Wednesday. And uh, Democratic Governor Tony Evers has already planned to uh, veto that measure, 
Hopefully the GOP-gerrymandered Wisconsin legislature will be unable to override that veto as well. Uh, not that there's a GOP war on women or anything. Who would get? Where would anybody get that idea? Maybe in Texas. Yes, that's uh, this, that state's a very brief legislative uh, biannual session, meaning they only convene every two years. That also recently ended. Uh, and in this case, a gubernatorial veto is not such good news, at least not for women. This one regards Texas uh, Republican Governor Greg Abbott, who, as we discussed yesterday, now finds himself entangled in a phony voter purge scandal. Well, a real scandal, but a phony voter purge. Uh, that had created this phony list of some 100,000 supposedly non-citizen voters to purge them from the rolls in Texas, except that those non-citizens were actually citizens, naturalized citizens. But they were marked for removal from the rolls anyway by Abbott's, Abbott's uh, former travel aide that he named as Secretary of State in Texas. So this purge... Uh, announced in January, was blocked in courts after the state was sued. At once it was revealed that these people were not actually non-citizens. The state is being forced to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in attorney's fees to plaintiffs. And the secretary of state was forced to resign after being unable to get Senate confirmation due to this scandal. But only this week did we learn via newly released emails from the uh, campaign uh, legal center that the governor himself appears to have been behind this push to create this phony purge list last year, months before anybody even knew it was going to be unveiled this past January. Uh, but this this story is actually a separate embarrassment for the Texas governor. Greg Abbott on Wednesday vetoed a widely supported bill to protect domestic violence survivors. He called it a, quote, laudable effort but that one that lost his support when, quote, someone slipped in an ill-considered giveaway to a radioactive waste disposal facility. The bill, which again was widely supported uh, on the left and right, uh, would have required domestic violence survivors to be notified when offenders are released on bond. But the Republican governor nixed that legislation due to a provision by a Democratic state rep that would have delayed a West Texas radioactive waste facilities increase in state fees. Abbott uh, wrote in his veto statement, Unfortunately, the bill author's good idea about domestic violence has been dragged down by a bad idea about radioactive waste. The measure by State Senator uh, Lois Kohlhorst uh, a Republican, would have required that bond information about domestic violence offenders be entered into a statewide data repository. The goal was to better protect survivors of domestic violence, protect the family, uh, the, the, the members uh, of the families and folks in the communities that are currently left vulnerable because of a lack of a centralized database regarding the conditions of bond, according to the analysis of this bill. So in other words, when you know offenders are released from jail, it makes it easier for the victims, the families, the communities where they're going to be notified about it. But at the last minute, there was an amendment about a nuclear waste disposal facility that was added to the measure. 
by one of uh, one of the sponsors. In this case, it was uh, Democratic State Rep. Pancho Navarez. The addition would have delayed an increase to a surcharge and state fee that was paid by the private operator of a waste disposal facility in West Texas. Navarez uh, previously said that the amendment helps an industry that is a big job creator, that it has actions uh, and that his actions had been done completely out in the open. It was no secret. It was voted on. And uh, yet this is what the governor used as an excuse not to sign this other bill that is supported by just about everybody. Uh, So uh, Abbott killed the whole bill to protect victims of domestic violence because of this. So just, you know, go back and pass it again without that amendment. Right. Well, not so easy. The Texas legislature meets for just 140 days every two years, beginning in January of odd-numbered years. So there will not be another chance to pass this bill until 2021, unless a special session is called for some reason by the governor. So, uh, but he just could not have this. He couldn't have this, uh, Can't we can't delay the, the, you know, raising the fees on this uh, on this company, and I, my I mean, legislative aides weren't know. paying attention. I guess is I guess the governor's staff wasn't noticing that this was going on, so he could not possibly have known beforehand about it. I I, I don't know what even to think about this. I'm just kind of blown away because it's a Republican and a Democratic bill. It was uh, supported by everyone, and the governor is willing to to just kill it. Because I guess that's how they roll in Texas. Uh, Maybe if it was a a mythical born-alive infant being protected by the measure, then the government would have found a way to sign it, Uh, even with the measure that delayed an increase uh, in fees for a nuclear waste company. All right. Anyway, uh, (laughs) we'll take a quick break, and we will uh, then come back to kick off today's constitutional crisis and impeachment update as the broadcast continues i'm brad friedman don't touch that dial five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the united states but they don't control us the broadcast and the green news report are 100 percent independent 100 percent listener supported but we can't do it alone we need you please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation you can make a difference support independent media drop by bradblog.com donate that's bradblog.com donate and thanks Yes, we will be here a while. That is a, a suggestion for our Constitutional Crisis Update music from Bradblog commenter Mark. Oh, I'll yeah. be here a while. <laughs> Ain't going nowhere by 311. Thank you, Mark. Don't know if it's just perfect uh, for this, but uh, one of many uh, uh, suggestions from uh, from listeners. You can drop me, if you've got one, you can drop me one uh, an idea at bradblog, brad, bradcast at bradblog.com. It does seem uh, somewhat appropriate, however, that we will be here a while, it seems. House Democrats, however, are planning to shorten how long it takes to actually get things done in the U.S. House 
In regards to holding this administration accountable, they are planning now a vote next week to empower committee chairs to go straight to court to enforce their subpoenas, eliminating the need for a full House vote uh, on contempt. According to CNN Today, the plan is likely to expedite Democrats' efforts to fight the Trump administration in court over their subpoenas and could also help vulnerable Democratic lawmakers avoid repeated contempt votes on the House floor. But there are also concerns about uh, the implications of the precedent that is being set here. So, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. They won't have to wait for a full House vote on contempt. They can just vote on contempt in committee and then go straight to a court to try to get action on that. So it sounds like a good idea, but it also sounded like a good idea back when Harry Reid some years ago in the Senate did away with the filibuster on federal judges after years of Republicans blocking Barack Obama's nominees to the federal court. It sounded like a good idea until Republicans then took over the majority in the U.S. Senate again and have since used that power that Harry Reid set the precedent for to pack the courts with Trump nominees on a simple majority vote because they did away with the filibuster. And then, of course, the Republicans extended that same nuclear option to Supreme Court nominees in order to force through nominee uh, nominations of now Justices Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. Of course, what goes around comes around. So at least the next time there is a Democratic president if that ever happens, and they have an opportunity to appoint a justice to the Supreme Court, if that should ever happen again, and if there ever happens to be a Democratic U.S. Senate again, well, they too could appoint any justice they want to the U.S. Supreme Court for life with a simple majority, and they can also pack the courts with federal judges in exactly the same way the Republicans are now doing. So there are trade-offs to these things, but I digress. The uh, Democrats' resolution next week uh, to hold Attorney General William Barr and former White House counsel Don McGahn in contempt and, uh, and, and take those cases to court will also now include language stating that committees can, from now on, directly move on their own to hold officials in contempt of Congress without a subsequent floor vote, uh, which is currently needed to do so. Senate Majority Leader Steny Hoyer said uh, this week that this was the plan for uh, next week when they vote on contempt for Barr and McGahn to add this language. It will also include language directing the House to petition the courts to obtain grand jury information contained in the Mueller report. Well, that one is certainly a good idea. They don't have to go begging and pleading. Oh, please, uh, Mr. Attorney General, will you go ask for that? Uh, even though that has always happened with these sorts of special counsel reports in the past during Nixon, during Clinton. But now Bill Barr just just won't do it. So now this would give authority if this passes for House subcommittees to go to court themselves and ask for uh, that grand jury information to be released. House Judiciary Chair Jerry Nadler had pushed for these moves in recent weeks as House leadership has decided to wait to hold a floor vote on contempt for Bill Barr, the attorney general until they could package him with a bunch of other officials in the same vote. 
Now committees themselves would be empowered to use civil contempt citations to go to court to enforce their own subpoenas. The uh, 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 congressional aides said that the resolution was designed as a response to the Trump administration's all-out stonewalling of their subpoenas. The House Rules Committee uh, is marking up the contempt resolution on Monday, and then the House is likely to vote on the measure on Tuesday on all of these measures to hold McGahn and Barr in contempt and to change the rules for, uh, for committees and so forth. Um, that unless the uh, DOJ comes up with some sort of accommodation to please the Judiciary Committee between now and then. The list of Democratic contempt citations could, in fact, grow very quickly uh, with this measure. Uh, For now, in addition to the House Judiciary Committee's contempt citations against Barr and McGahn, the House Oversight Committee is also preparing to hold contempt votes uh, against Barr, again, a second one, Uh, and against Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross uh, to hold him in contempt over subpoenas related to this um, citizenship question that he lied about in hopes of adding it to the uh, 2020 census, which the U.S. Supreme Court will be deciding on any time in the next few weeks. Hoyer, uh, Congressman Hoyer, the uh, majority leader, said that the intention of the resolution was to address what he refers to as one of the largest cover-ups of any administration that I can recall, he told reporters. Well, there is another solution to that, Congressman. It starts with I... Yes, impeachment, but there's still another solution that also starts with I that's called inherent contempt. I believe that starts with an I. (laughs) Yes, you are correct. Uh, That does not require a court at all. The House can simply vote to hold someone in inherent contempt and then order the sergeant at arms uh, in the Capitol to go out and arrest that person and even hold that person in a jail in the Capitol if they wish Though I don't know if that's been used for more than a hundred years or so, if ever. Um, but uh, anyway, I've uh, I've digressed again here. <laughs> the uh, rationale is we have an unprecedented order from the president to the executive branch, which is to disrespect all lawful orders from Congress for witnesses and documents and testimony. That, according to uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin, Maryland Democrat, who is both on the Judiciary Committee and, by the way, in support of beginning an impeachment inquiry there, just as Chairman Nadler is. But he is being held up by leadership, by Nancy Pelosi, by Steny Hoyer. Raskin said, however, we obviously don't want to be tying up the floor every time someone disobeys a subpoena or refuses to turn over documents. So we have to delegate. And that's why they're uh, doing this measure. Republicans accuse Democrats of using the tactic to appease their base that's advocating for impeachment. Finally, a Republican says something that I agree with. They are doing it to appease their base that is advocating for impeachment. Georgia Congressman Doug Collins, the top Republican on the Judiciary Committee, said the Democrats are so without a legislative agenda. Oh, I take my comment back. (laughs) I do not agree with him. Yeah, because that's just flat out false. Of course it is. They have a huge agenda in the House. They have been been passing passing stuff like crazy. While the GOP Senate is ignoring everything that's being passed. So, yes, they have an agenda. Sorry, Mr. Collins, that you are a liar. 
In any event, he says uh, the Dems are so without a legislative agenda that now they're having to just start bringing up contempt uh, to try to paint a picture because they just can't show anything fruitful to bring to their base, which is nonsense, Mr. Collins. Uh, it's still unclear how the approach may affect House Democrats' contempt arguments. However, when they go before judges, a Congressional Research Service report from 2017 had cast some doubt on whether judges would entertain lawsuits that came from House committees without full House approval or a resolution. So we will see. That report said, absent such authorization, it appears that the courts will not entertain civil motions of any kind on behalf of Congress or its committees. Uh, so we'll see. But as to that I word, the real one, impeachment, at this point, uh, despite some 60 members of her House caucus calling for an, uh, an official impeachment inquiry, and at least half a dozen or more 2020 presidential candidates calling for the same and 30 progressive groups who wrote an open letter demanding an inquiry, as we discussed on yesterday's broadcast with Charles Chamberlain of, Democ uh, of um, Democracy for America, one of the groups that was signed on to this letter. Despite all of that, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she is feeling no pressure. She uh, reportedly said, however, she would also like to see Donald Trump, quote, in prison. According to Politico last night, Pelosi told senior Democrats that she would like to see President Donald Trump, quote, in prison as she clashed with House Judiciary Chair Jerry Nadler in a meeting earlier this week on whether to launch impeachment proceedings. Pelosi met with Nadler and several other Top Democrats who are pushing for uh, pursuing investigations against the president. Nadler pressed Pelosi to allow his committee to launch an impeachment inquiry against Trump. The second such request that he has made in recent weeks only to be rebuffed by Pelosi and other senior leaders. Uh, she said, I don't want to see him impeached. I want to see him in prison. That's according to multiple Democratic sources familiar with the meeting uh, instead of impeachment Pelosi still prefers to see Trump defeated at the ballot box and then prosecuted for his alleged crimes according to those sources but this is not a matter of either or so I'm 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 unclear why impeaching him or even beginning an impeachment inquiry to consider whether to impeach him uh, I'm unclear how that would possibly keep him out of jail do you understand it Desiree? I, I don't think it would at all, actually. And, and it, does, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I find it all very, very confusing as to what the rationale is behind allowing this moral hazard to continue of, of a lawless president and an administration that defies the Congress. It seems like you got to do something or else you will leave the door open for well, this to happen again and to again. To be fair, she is doing something. She is allowing all of these committees uh, to investigate and now uh, to go to court once they pass, if they pass this this uh, new uh, uh, provision regarding contempt. Uh, and I suspect that Bill Barr, the attorney general, and certainly Don McGahn, the former White House counsel, do not wish to be held in contempt in a, uh, by a court of law which would uh, most likely end up costing them their law licenses. I don't know if Barr gives a damn anymore, but I suspect Don McGahn probably does. Uh, and th so they are continuing to push on a lot of fronts. 
And, uh, well, Nancy Pelosi said that we want to keep going until we have enough information that it is rock solid before we consider impeachment. Most people think that impeachment means you're out of office. Did you ever get that feeling or you're just in the bubble here? They think (laughs) that you get impeached, you're gone. And that is completely not true. And I may have thought that myself 50 years ago. But you get impeached and it's an indictment. It's an indictment. So when you're impeaching somebody, you want to make sure you have the strongest possible indictment. Well, I'm not sure how much stronger the indictment could be at this point, uh, but that's... That's Nancy Pelosi, what she's saying. Now, in fact, as to this idea that she doesn't uh, that she wants to see him in prison, in fact, uh, keeping him uh, in, in, in office uh, and allowing him to uh, run out the statute of limitations, that may actually uh, end up keeping him out of prison more than an impeachment would, especially if he wins a second term. Meanwhile, there are no restrictions on indicting a president after impeachment. As I said, it is not either or. According to Article 1, Section 3, Clauses 6 and 7 of the U.S. Constitution, you may have heard of it. Uh, Those clauses say judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. But the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. So, again, I don't get it. I mean, okay, I think we all want to see him in prison, uh, but I don't know what an impeachment has to do with that. Uh, At least the Constitution doesn't uh, know what it has to do with that either, because you can absolutely impeach someone and then indict them. Politico sources say that Pelosi was expressing solidarity with pro-impeachment Democrats who want to hold the president accountable while disputing the idea that it is now time to take that step. Uh, Pelosi's spokesperson said that Pelosi and... um, And the chairman had a uh, chairman Nadler here uh, had a productive meeting and agreed to keep all options on the table and continue to move forward with an aggressive hearing and legislative strategy to address the president's corruption and abuses of power uncovered in the Mueller report. House Intel Chair Adam Schiff, uh, Oversight Chair Cummings, Ways and Means Chair Richard Neal, Foreign Affairs Chair Elliot Engel, they were all present for the meeting as well. Financial Services Chair Maxine Waters was not there. She has been a vocal uh, impeachment supporter herself uh, as her panel is probing Trump's finances. In the meeting, some committee chairs expressed frustration about the appearance that rank-and-file members rather than party leaders were leading the caucus's oversight strategy, including what they do on impeachment. According to one source, uh, Pelosi is facing continued pressure, as you know. Meanwhile, she is trying to uh, publicly project unity, going so far as to defiantly declare on Wednesday that, quote, there is no controversy within the caucus over impeachment. Make no mistake, she said, we know exactly what path we're on. Well, I wish she would tell us. We know exactly what actions we need to take, Pelosi told reporters. She said, I'm not feeling any pressure. 
Well, she may not be feeling any pressure or she may be lying about it. But uh, if you would like to add to her pressure, you need to talk to your member of Congress. And you can do that by dialing. Ready? Got a pen? 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. And in case you didn't hear it, Desi Doyen, what's the number? 202-224-3121. Some people may respond to your voice more than mine because I've been telling them. So 202-224-3121 if you'd like to uh, let Congress know what you think about impeachment and whatever that secret strategy is that Nancy Pelosi knows about. Like we said at the beginning of the show, pressure works just like it did with the Green New Deal and that activist pressure that has made a difference to the 2020 Democrats. So let's see how pressure works in other areas. Let's bring it. And speaking of which, let's bring the Green News Report. We'll take a quick break and we will come back with that. Uh, And, well, maybe more. We'll see how much time we have. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. GNR coming up. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. And I'll tell you, well, actually, we had more uh, Green News Report than we could fit into six (laughs) minutes as usual. So let's get right to it. And we'll come back with a couple of of bonus uh, Green News items for you after our latest Green News Report. I believe that there's a change in weather. And I think it changes both ways. On his trip to Britain, Trump proves he knows zip about climate science again. Meeting Paris climate agreement targets could avert thousands of deaths in the U.S. Plus, the time for small ideas is over. We have got to make it clear that when the future of the planet is at stake, there is no middle ground. Climate change, now a litmus test in the 2020 election, at least for Democrats. Searching for all that middle ground and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Don't forget, it used to be called global warming. That wasn't working. Then it was called climate change. Now it's actually called extreme weather. No, actually, it's still called climate change, just as it was when the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change was formed by the UN in 1988. This is your Green News Report. Gonna soak up the sun. 
okay, Desi Doyen, I hate covering it, I hate covering him, I hate everything <laughs> about it, but we need to cover Donald Trump again. Indeed we do. In an interview with British TV personality Piers Morgan, President Trump said he was impressed by Britain's Prince Charles' concern for future generations as Charles tried to educate him about catastrophic man-made climate change. Impressed because for some reason Donald Trump doesn't give a damn about future generations. But Trump spewed climate change denier talking points that made it clear he doesn't grasp even basic climate science. Well, the United States right now has among the cleanest climates there are based on all statistics and it's even getting better because I agree with that. I want the best water, the cleanest water, crystal clean. None of that really makes any sense and Trump also (laughs) falsely claimed that the U.S. has the cleanest air and water but in reality pollution in the U.S. has gotten measurably worse over the last three years since Trump came into office. That's according to the American Lung Association and U.S. greenhouse gas emissions that cause climate change are now rising again in the United States after years of decline. That is because of Trump's rollbacks of climate policies and public health standards. But remember, he does not count carbon dioxide as pollution. That's correct. So to him, you can spew as much CO2 into the air as you want, and he does, but it doesn't mean the climate is in any way endangered. Climate change is forecast to intensify heat waves, making them even deadlier. But a new study published this week for the first time tries to quantify how much deadlier those heat waves might be in 15 cities across the United States, depending on how much we cut emissions or don't. The researchers calculated that nearly 3,000 more people will die of heat-related deaths each year in each major city if we continue business as usual versus if we met the temperature targets of the United Nations Paris Climate Agreement. The Paris Agreement seeks to limit global temperatures from rising no more than one and a half degrees Celsius above pre-industrial temperatures by 2100. Currently, we are on track to rise double that amount by three degrees Celsius. So that's going to cost a lot of dead people. But if you don't care about future generations, then you don't care who dies, I guess. But for the first time in U.S. presidential election history, climate change is now a central issue, at least in the Democratic presidential primary. And it has become a litmus test of sorts for those 2020 candidates. That sea change is Thanks in part to the ambitious Green New Deal resolution introduced by freshman Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Green New Deal picked up even more momentum this week with the release of two more 2020 Democratic candidates' climate action proposals. My plan for clean energy revolution, it outlines what we have to do to meet this challenge head on and how we're going to get there. Former Vice President Joe Biden unveiled a $1.7 trillion framework to create jobs by transitioning the nation to clean energy, as did Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. This environmental catastrophe bearing down on us may be the biggest challenge yet. While their policy roadmaps differ, both reference the Green New Deal and both call for 100% net zero emissions by 2050. That would be paid for in part by repealing the 2017 GOP tax cuts, eliminating taxpayer subsidies for the fossil fuel industry, and putting a price on carbon emissions. 
Biden had faced criticism from his fellow candidates after a campaign advisor suggested he would seek middle ground with Republicans on climate change. Senator Elizabeth Warren released a $2 trillion green manufacturing plan to revitalize American industry, a green Apollo plan to invest in clean energy research and development, and a green Marshall plan to help other countries switch to clean energy by buying American-made clean energy technology. It's really rather remarkable because all of these policy prescriptions were considered politically unthinkable just a few years ago. Thanks, AOC. For much more on all of these reports and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyne. And this has been your Green News Report. We gotta, we gotta change know. the world. We can do it. We can do it. I know. Real quick, Elizabeth yeah. Warren has a really fantastic American industrial manufacturing policy. She did a great long section on it on the town hall she did mm-hmm. with Chris Hayes on MSNBC on Wednesday night. I encourage everyone to look that up. It's very, very cool. That, however, was not the uh, bonus Green News Report no. items that uh, I had mentioned because uh, we got a couple. Uh, they're, they're, they're bonus. They're not necessarily good news. No. Uh, not at all. Uh, one of them out of India. Yes, India is having a huge heat wave right now. They've been having 120 degrees Fahrenheit every single day. 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes, and every that, day. That is uh, a really early season summer heat wave for them. The record was 122 degrees. That was just set two years ago. And this has been happening year after year in India and Pakistan, where the uh, temperatures are just. You can't work outside. I right. mean, it's and, and it and it it's unceasing. From They're day to hosing day. down the streets with water to keep the asphalt from melting. And then also, uh, the U.S. Forest Service warned that one billion acres are at risk for catastrophic wildfires this summer. It's going to be a very difficult summer this year for wildfires, and the Trump administration is trying to cut the forest firefighting budget. <laughs> So you could, couldn't could fit all the bad news into the six minutes. <laughs> you had to expand it to the rest. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much. Uh, Desi Doyen, greatly appreciated. Thanks to all of you for spending some of your day with us. It is always appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or your favorite podcast site. All of that made possible by, yes, listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi and I do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves. We don't do it with commercial support. We do it with listener support at bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. Always good to hear from you. I am bradcast at bradblog.com and on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you'll find me at the Bradblog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. It's time to start.